You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Sweet Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at letstalktorah@gmail.com, and I will answer as many as I can. So today's guest does not realize how beautiful the weather still is in Michigan because it's a little bit warmer, um, I think, where Sean is from. Today's guest is Sean Gold. He is lots of things, an inspiring and engaging speaker whose wit and wisdom has made him a sought-out speaker to university students, young professionals, business owners. Sean is also the author of four books. Whoa, it must be the wind behind you. Um, he's the author of two Amazon bestsellers, Promoter, Mind Hustler, Heart, and Better Be You. However, actually, I am going to take advantage and learn lots of stuff for myself from Sean today. Sean, how are you? That, that is the best introduction I think I've ever gotten. Really? I think I think that was it was so energetic. Most people just say, "Okay, let's start. Here we go." But this this was good. I'm great just based on the introduction. What do you charge for big jobs? What do I charge? Uh, Probably to make you come back again, but we'll see. Uh, (laughs) All right, that's a tall order, but let's let's try. Let's see. Let's see what happens. So uh, I've been in Detroit myself about 25 years. I am not born and bred here, but uh, the more I talk to people, the more people are connected. To good old Detroit. How are you connected to Detroit? I uh, grew up in West Bloomfield. Right around the corner from uh, where the studio is, as a matter of fact. How long did you live here? About 12 years or so. Oh, so, so everybody moved out down to Florida when you were little? Yeah, I mean, that was, that was, that was kind of the case. I mean, I... I got out, and then uh, I came back a few times, and then eh, I'm back in a long time, and that's okay. Michigan is a beautiful state to visit or live, by the way. <laughs> Not in the winter. <laughs> no, but today our temperature is a balmy 66, and I think it's like 90 by you. So... Yeah, it's, uh, I, I, I could be tempted to, to make a tepid return possibly in, in the late summer, just for you. Ah. And then we can go out and have a cup of coffee. I actually have a son who lives in North Miami Beach. I don't know streets. Everything is northeast something, but somewhere in that neighborhood. You're in North Miami Beach or actually Miami Beach? I, I, I am in Coral Gables. I'm south. So you're south of him. Okay, very good. So let's get rolling. I always ask the same question. Who is Sean Gold? You ask that to everybody? Just about, except when my wife came on, I didn't ask the question to her. But everybody else gets that question. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I think the introduction you gave kind of kind of rounded it out. I feel like it'd be you should, something more specific you'd like to know. I can maybe answer that. Um, you know, <laughs> do you have a more specific question? You know, I actually like to ask the question this way because it's fascinating. Some people think I want to know. I really want to know whatever you think I meant. Some people want to know, does he, is he asking what I do for a living? Is he asking what I think about myself? 
Is he asking what I want to become? Um, really, that's why it's a very funny general question. When I ask somebody who they are, is it who you are inside, who you are outside, what do you do for a living, how much money do you have, what kind of family do you have? So it sort of becomes um, all-encompassing, and it sort of depends how it hits each person. So I was curious how that question hit you. It hits me like I need to give another introduction. <laughs> that's, that's, that's how it hit me. He's, uh, he's new age but old school. He's been downloaded, upvoted, ostracized, politicized, downsized. You know, I feel like that's what that's what it comes to me. It just it needs to be a, a greater introduction. First thing to come to mind. Okay, got it. So let's uh, then we're gonna move it right along. So for, you've written books, you've helped entrepreneurs, you started businesses. We'll talk about some of them, but I think first things first. How do you define success? I mean, how do I define it, or how does society define it? How about both? I mean, it's, it's interesting because society will define it as, you know, success as being something where you can show off your material goods. You know, you, you have a car. I've got five. You've got a house. I've got three. You know, um, I, I think, you know, that the greatest way I define success, you know, I don't want to steal from Churchill, but I am. He won't mind. Is that success is defined as moving from failure to failure without loss of enthusiasm. That's success. And I feel like that's the success mindset because the beyond mountains, there are always more mountains. Most people think that once they climb the one mountain, it's over. They're successful. They made it. They're at the top of the mountain. They don't realize that they're looking out to the Himalayas, the Appalachians. They don't realize that there's many more mountains to go. And if you don't have this mindset where it's a, it's a mentality, it's not a one stop, one shop, one battle, and you, you win the day. That's how you know society kind of portrays it. It's you know it's a constant battle. It's a constant climb, and I feel that, that my definition of success is just constant momentum in the face of ever changing circumstances and not getting bogged down. Really keeping things moving. So you live in Miami. You've been part of their nightlife, which maybe we'll touch on. Maybe we won't. Um, and certainly everybody knows whatever they've watched, movies, televisions, everybody's got the fancy car and the, the sports car and the convertible and everything else. Do you also feel you need that, even though you know that success is that you're on a steady climb, but while you're climbing, you still want that fancy car? Not particularly. I mean, I'm a little... I'm a little biased with that just because, you know, as I was younger, I had access to all that. And it's kind of just, you know, it's kind of based on, you know, again, society saying, you know, you need to constantly spend and spend and consume and consume. And, you know, if you don't, you have to have this year's fancy car instead of five years ago, fancy car. And it's, it's really just a matter of showing off. It's a matter of saying, you know, hey, look. I can afford this, so I must be successful. And then other people that can't afford it must say, like, hey, wait a second, maybe I need to be successful as well, and I need to work hard to afford that so I can have the same measure of success. And really, I mean, it, it's very shallow. You know, it's very, it's very shallow thinking where a lot of people sacrifice, you know, what they have for meaningless things in the future. You know, they sacrifice today for tomorrow when they should be trying to make today happen. Okay, interesting. I actually like it. It really leads into my next point. We talked about it a little bit, and again, you were you were that uh, that nightlife ninja, big promoter in Miami, and you did get out. You're no longer working with promoting different uh, nightclubs and stuff. 
And um, now that you're out and you're into a different type of business, are you happy that that kind of business is in your past? That's part one of the question. And part two of the question really is that um, many of those people you dealt with, I believe, um, in those nightclubs were, were, I'll use your word, were shallow. And are you, did you mind as an entrepreneur dealing with those people? And if that's what you got to do, that's what you got to do. Or that's not who you want to do business with. Well, I mean, that's, that's, that's like two questions in 20 parts. Okay, great. <laughs> um, if you can remember all the parts, you can answer it. I, I, I can. Um, so the first question would be, you know, the first answer to your question would be, 100% yes, I'm out. not just because of COVID and there are no more nightclubs and there are no more parties and none of that. I mean, even if there were, it'd still be 100% yes. I mean, you know, I don't want to say I was getting too old, but when your crowd thinks Y2K is a DJ, it's time to move on. <laughs> you know? Okay, good, yeah. Um, and, then, and then part two, it's, you know, for the first part is that, yeah, I mean, I've dealt with thousands of people. I've dealt with thousands and thousands of people from – the, the very wealthy, to the not so wealthy, to the wannabe wealthy, to the entrepreneur, to the solopreneur, to the founder, to the lost, whatever. And I mean, it's, it's a, it was a job to me. You understand? It, it wasn't a career. It was what I did because it was, you know, what I wanted to do. It was the lifestyle I wanted. It was the job I wanted to work. And as far as doing business with those people, I mean, there's a handful that, that I, I have done stuff with and that I do keep in touch with and that are real but the majority are just empty. But that's not just because of nightclubs. I feel like, you know, the modern individual is shallow. The modern individual is empty. Nightclubs are just the playground of them to kind of show off and kind of, you know, act like they aren't empty by, you know, an Instagram or social media flashing the, the car or the VIP or the bottles or the parties. I mean, it's all, it's all a constant cry to be like, look, I'm here doing this and you're not. I'm cool. You must not be cool because you're at home in, I don't know, Wisconsin, and I'm here in Miami. You know, it wasn't even about having fun anymore. It was about just showing off how much fun you were supposedly having just to show that you matter. I mean, I feel like that's that's what it is. It was kind of a competition to show who matters more. Okay, good. So let's take it a step further because you do help entrepreneurs. You help all kinds of people. We talked about it. Does it matter to an entrepreneur or anybody starting a business who the people are he's working with? And as we talk about, the, oh, it's windy back there. Yeah, it's a little. Um, so, yeah, it it does. I mean, it, it really. My whole thing is I've always done stuff as a solopreneur. Just I try to do stuff on my own. When you bring in more people to the mix, eventually they are gonna let you down. Eventually you know, they might flake. Eventually, they're not going to live up to the standards that you set. And you have to have high standards. So when you're working with other people, whether it's a co-founder role, it's usually, at least in my experience, the person has to have attributes that they bring to the table. So for instance, I'm not a tech guy. Okay, I'm not an AI. I'm not in tech. I, I don't do any of that. But I know what to look for. So if I know someone that could write a custom made algorithm, if I know someone that can do UX design, if I know someone that could do front end and back end and the APIs and everything, that's great. That's what they need to focus on, you know, but if it comes to, you know, they don't know how to do it and I don't know how to do it, but we want to do a tech company. Well, then it's kind of an issue, you know, because everyone has to bring something to the table. I mean, you know, entrepreneurship in itself is, is, is a very difficult task. It's a very hard task. It's something that, you know, society makes it seem like, oh, it's so easy and look at all these billionaires and 
multimillionaires and look how many times they exit. But that's just a, a microcosm of what really exists. For every successful entrepreneur, there's countless others that failed. They couldn't get funding. They couldn't scale. They, there was no product market fit. I mean, they, they never even tried. They never got that far. I mean, so it's, it's really you have to work with the right people. And that, that's what comes down to it's find the right people and find the right people that are going to say, hey, it's Saturday at nine in the morning. Are we going to work on this? We're going to do a call or we're going to put this off till next Wednesday because you got to be fast. You got to, you know, you can't waste the day when you're an entrepreneur. Huh. So I, I know you're you're you now you're I mean, I think your business now is is motivational speaking and, and I guess helping entrepreneurs, helping business people. I have that part, right? Yes. OK, good. portion of it. Okay, so I figure let's have some fun a little bit. Here I am with numerous hats, numerous jobs. And one of my jobs, I am lucky enough to be a fundraiser for a small day school here in town. And fundraising is uh, not for the faint of heart, to say the least. So if you sat down with a fundraiser like myself, who was spinning his wheels and running after people and not finding the people he needs, what would you tell that person? Or how about how, what would you tell me? Well, if we're going to work with me, the first thing we'd have to do is I'd tell you my PayPal. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's number one. <laughs> so <laughs> that, that'd be number one. Is this, is what, this is the fee and let's go. Um, but number two, I mean, listen, it's not so cut and dry because how much money are you trying to raise? How often are you trying to raise the money? What events are you going to do? Can you do events in a COVID, in a, in a COVID environment? Are they digital events? What kind of digital events are you going to do? How much do you plan to charge? I mean, there's a lot of variables. It's not something that's just so cut and dry that's like you should just do this and put on a bake sale i think it'll be good you know have the brownies they love brownies you know it's, it's not that cut and dry right brownies don't make very much money we let the uh, high school high school girls do that <laughs> for their own personal <laughs> fundraising we, we're a little bit on a on a on a uh, bigger scale but but everybody who's in a business has to do some type of cold calling has to meet people has to be able to connect with people in a covid society where most people are not letting you walk into their office but mm -hmm. you need i need to get into these people's offices or meet them and say i have something that would interest you i think you want to support this but i don't even get to to sit face to face which is always what fundraisers or salesmen for that price have always been doing so what do you tell them i mean right now everyone's kind of in the same boat you know, they're not just fundraising. I mean, everyone's kind of this is why we have like CRM software. <laughs> you know, this is why everybody that has a product that want, whether it's a B2C or B2B, they always want to troll LinkedIn and send these terrible cold outreach messages that just annoy the people. But believe me, I get them every day. And I feel like for something like this, there has to be a warm intro. And if you can't get the warm intro, there has to be something unique to stand out that just like greetings. You know, with the, with the bland email that looks so bland, nobody wants to read it, and nobody, and definitely don't attach any material or PDFs or flyers or anything, just because no one's going to read it. Like it just, people are tired of it now more than ever. So there, you you have to find a way to connect with the right people, and you have to actually kind of go through your own network and see who people can introduce you to. I mean, I've always been a warm intro kind of person, and I've never really feared reaching out to somebody, and I've never feared taking the time to write you know a nice email if they read it great and if they don't whatever but it just people just they, they, they go they go for the bland routine they copy and paste hey so and so this is me and it's the same thing i mean i was working with the client the other day 
And he ended his cold outreach with, you know, I'd love to take you for coffee and lunch. And this is like, it's COVID. You know, you can't be go taking someone for coffee and lunch. Like, come on. You can clearly tell he hasn't been updated for the times, you know. And with that being said, you know, Zoom and Google and whatever services you want to use, even the phone. Remember the phone? It was just here. Everyone used to use it. I mean, that's that's kind of become the, the way of business. And, you know, that that's how people want to connect. So, yeah, you can't go to their offices, but it doesn't mean that no one's still working. You know, you just have to find the right way to, to approach the person you want to meet and actually I don't want to use this term, but kind of sink your teeth into it so you can actually, you know, try and get that contact to work for you. Okay, which is what I'm doing anyways, but I just wanted to hear it come from you. It's always, do you find when when you go to places to speak and you're motivating them or you're talking to them or you're teaching them, that really they've heard this all before and and you're trying to figure out what are you giving them new that they don't already know or are you really giving them new stuff? New stuff. Motivational speaking. I mean, regardless, I've never been called on to be the motivational speaker. It just comes out. So it would be for an entrepreneurship class or a consumer behavior class or a marketing class or a sociology class or whatever the case may be. It comes out. And it's new stuff because I take a lot of time to read. I spend most of my days reading when I'm not working. Um, And, you know, I read a lot of the stuff people don't know. You know, I, I don't really subscribe to you know the 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 cool popular books because everyone knows that already and i subscribe to the books that are more you know old school i don't want to say esoteric but everything i I like to quote people that have been dead for hundreds of years if not thousands because i know no one's going to run into that unless they actively look into it you know if i if i hear another steve jobs quote i'm gonna i'm gonna gonna jump out this window okay like they've been done to death (laughs) there's a lot of material out there there's a lot of material out there so i tend I tend to not use any cliches. You have to be unique. And, you know, Newton called this standing on the shoulders of giants. You basically, you take what's come before and you make it your own. So first of all, are you on the first floor? I'm on the fourth floor. Oh, fourth floor. Then you should not jump. Yeah, well, don't use a, don't use a Steve Jobs quote. I'm telling you, that's it. One more of those and I'm going out the window. <laughs> One more going out the window. Oh, man. Okay. X, amazing. So uh, another thing we, we touched on, I know I'm touching on lots of things because I don't have so much time. So I, I try to pull out whatever I could and, uh, and then I run with it. Um, again, one of the things we talk about entrepreneurs, we talk about winners. People say winners, people say losers. So I, I, I was always interested and I, I like to hear what people have to say about it. Are, uh, good, there are people that are successful and there are people that are successful that failed numerous times. We know all about that also. But do you ever think that the, the guys who are, or gals for that price, that are winners are really hardwired that way? And the people that are schleppers are schleppers and there's nothing we can do for them? I mean, it, it really depends on the mindset. It depends on an awakening. You know, the, it's not everyone just being hardwired. It's just mentality. I mean, listen, if you, have a, if you have the proper why, you can survive anyhow. Most people don't have the proper why. If you have the why, you know, things don't seem so bad. Because, you know, okay, 100 people denied my meeting. Whatever. I'm going to hit the next 100. But if you don't have that why, you're going to give up after the first 10, to, you know, 10 people deny you. So it's, it's really not a matter of being hardwired. It's a matter of just, you know, constantly experimenting. I mean, entrepreneurship is one big experiment. And the more experiments you make, the better it is. And, you know, a lot of people, you have to fail, before, you know, 10 times before you succeed once. But a lot of people don't have that in them. 
So it, it's only I'd say if you're a winner is someone that just doesn't give up. That That's kind of what it is. It just, you know, there's there's the old quote that, you know, the winner is just a loser that just showed up one more time. And a lot of people don't want to show up. I mean, why, why would they? No one likes getting rejected. No one likes having their idea chewed out. No one likes having their knowledge, you know, be, being cr- criticized. No one, you know, no, a lot of people don't have the guts for that. You have to have the guts. You have to have the guts to go out there and really put yourself out there and have the world kind of destroy it and be like, okay, let's do it again and again and again. You know, it's, it's kind of uh, a, a loop, so to speak. You know, it's kind of like a, you know, uh, the, the snake eating its own tail. That's what it is until you can actually break that loop. So, you know, and, and I feel like the people that are successful and the people that are the winners are the ones that break the loop. The other ones are just, you know, I don't want to do it. You know, it's a, it's a Sisyphean task of rolling the rock up the hill. And a lot of people say, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go up there today. I'm not, I don't have it in me. I can't deal with it. And, you know, sadly, those people, they just, they, they never accomplish anything noteworthy. Well said. So, again, my time is ticking away here. I'm going to try to get through as much as I could left. Um, I mentioned in the intro, of course, you've written a few books. You have two bestsellers. Um, why did you write those books? I mean, it was a combination of a lot of people were telling me to do one. And it was, you know, I wanted to do one, too. It was always kind of, you know, when I was my late teens, early 20s, I wanted to do it. And a lot of people kept saying, you have to do it. So when the demand was there and I feel like the demand was enough to be critical mass, then basically that's why I decided to do it. And when I wrote the first one and, you know, it it climbed the Amazon charts and I got in the top 100 business authors and people really dug it, that's when it became to do something that, you know, it's, I have to do more. I think I can, I can do this again. So I just, I, it was a passionate thing for me to do because listen, writing a book, it's not easy. And you have to have this passion in you to keep writing and to keep, you know, going through the rewrites and going through the editor and, and, and going through people that are going to say it's stupid and you have to keep going. And if you really want to do something, even if the odds are against you, do it. That's why I kept writing. So, I mean, I have the two business books and I have the two other books and those two other books that aren't business books, self-help books were established because I'm a screenwriter as well. And I wanted to have the, the IP established to say, look, I based it on the book, you know? So it's, it's just something that I've always been creative and, you know, one, one solitary fantasy can inspire a million realities. Okay. Is that an original or is that on no, somebody's it's, shoulders? It, it, it's not. That's on someone's shoulders. <laughs> You're paying attention. That's great. I'm very good at I even write notes while we're talking. I'm very – that's just who and what I am. I take a lot of notes and I'm, I'm a listener and I'm a – whatever. I do lots of things. And, uh, and, I, and I recognize some of the things you've been talking about because of the fundraise. I go through the same thing. Rejection is automatic. It's automatic that forget this guy. We're just going on to the next one. It's automatic that these guys won't pick up their phones, so we'll move on to the next ones. It's all part of can you do it or you can't do it. It has nothing to do with being wealthy because if my why is that I want to help this school, I want to help teach children, I want to help educate children, it has nothing to do with what my car is going to look like. My second car is a 2005 Scion, which my kids don't like. They call it a Matchbox car. But anyways, <laughs> as, I don't know if you ever – in Miami, I don't know if they have them. I tried to give it to my son. He said, I can't drive this. Everyone knows who I am. I said, fine, I'll take it back. I got another car. Anyways, um, we, are, we are flying. So I would like you to help us end with just two things. Number one, I would like you to leave us with something. Number two, I would like you to tell us how we can get your books and how we can – 
contact you, if we want to learn from you, if we want to do to your PayPal with you, if we want to bring you in, how can people talk to you? So what can you leave us with? How can we get the books? And how can we get in touch with Sean Gold? Okay, I'm, I'm going to do the, the second one first. Because cool. uh, if I leave you with a the quote, then it kind of leaves it, it loses its point if I go in, if it's not really leaving. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, listen, the books are on Amazon. You know, you can Google my name, Sean Gold. You can go to SeanGold.com. They'll come up. And you can contact me. I'm very, very easy to get a hold of. LinkedIn or my website is the best way to contact me. Um, you can follow me on Instagram. You can follow me on Facebook. I don't really use them. But then when this COVID mess is over, you can follow me in person. I'd love to meet you. So that's all there. And then if I were going to leave you with, with some timely quote, is that what you're looking for? You want, you want me to end with some timely quote? I want you to um, end with how you would like to say goodbye. Okay. Well, how would I like to say goodbye? I'm Sean Golden for as long as you live. Keep learning how to live. That, is that an original? Uh, it is now. I, I, we, we will quote that. Sean, it is right before Rosh Hashanah. I just want to wish you a happy and healthy new year. Everyone this year, I'm telling everybody, have a real healthy new year. Thank you for coming. This was so much fun. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Happy new year. Be well. Okay, music's playing. Hope you enjoyed it short and sweet. Hope you enjoyed John Gold. Thank you to our wonderful sponsor listeners. You know, I can't do it without you. Thank you to my own production team. We have David Angel in the back. I mean, we have Angel. At, no, we have Kelsey in the back. Hope you have to some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi Sweet Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk to our streamcast. Until next week, don't forget to think about it.